Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. That He is a good, good Father. We, we use the term good in so many different ways. And, and uh, I, think, I think when we say, God, you're a good, good father, it's, it's in a whole different context, isn't it? It's not like, hey, that taco was good. Different than that, because he is a good, good father. And when we say he's a good, good father, it encompasses all those attributes, those beautiful attributes that he holds, his, his righteousness, his loving kindness, his patience. His sacrificial will to reconcile with his people. That's what makes him a good, good father. The best, I would say. Father, we exalt you this morning. We lift your name up high. Lord, what a great place to come this morning and to gather and to to worship with one another. To just bask in your presence as we sing our worship songs. Lord God, what a wonderful place to be, to realize how much, maybe just a little bit, how much you actually do love each one of us. It's it's quite incredible. So Father, we bow down to you. We lift our hands in surrender to you. We lay our hearts before you. And we give our life as sacrifice to you. Jesus, of course it's all about you. We love the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. We will always and forever, for eternity, shout out and lift high the name of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for everything. Thank you for for being our best friend, our comforter, our, our sacrifice, the lamb, as well as the lion. So today, Father, have your way. Have your way in each one of us. Jesus, meet us. Meet us wherever we're at. And and, and Lord, we are all at a, a somewhat different place this morning. But it doesn't matter because I know and I'm confident, Jesus, you will meet us wherever we are. So today, as we kind of move on from worship Lord God let our hearts never cease to worship you as we as we get into the message and we transition from prayer let our let our prayers never be far from you and today Lord God help us to just yield to you to humble ourselves before you and and really treat this time with an expectation that you are going to to do something within our lives. Lord, for some of us, it's putting our, our thoughts into actions. And for others, it's putting thoughts into our heads that are of you. So Lord God, wherever we are, help us to all yield to you. Most of all, Jesus, we lift your name up. We worship you. We love you. We glorify you. We will always proclaim your name in this house. We pray all of this in that beautiful and mighty name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
you agree with that, everybody shout out an amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. How are you guys doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Oh, kids. Let's dismiss the kids right now. Let's, I don't want to forget that. never want to forget the kids. So, kids, you guys are dismissed. Go down. Have some fun. Learn some stuff. It'll be good. Ask your parents when you come back up what they learned in church today. Because I hope and pray that you guys learned something today. Let's, uh, I've got announcements like last Sunday. We just got a lot going on. We just want to somewhat run through these announcements. Oh, before I do announcements, though, the VBS sign-up sheets didn't get all the way to the back last week. So we're going to start them this row. And just, if you weren't here last week, VBS is coming up. It'll tell you on there. Um, Sign up. We need volunteers. It's a great time. The volunteers have as much or more fun than the kids do. And let's make sure those clipboards actually make it all the way to the back today. All right, some things that are coming up today. If you work in the Bridge Cafe in any way, shape, or form, there is a meeting after service. Um, It's kind of keep you up to date on the changes we've already made just to make sure we're all doing things the same thing and you are there so you can have as much fun as possible while while still serving. They're going to serve lunch, so if you're a part of Bridge Cafe, please just make plans to stay after service today. Next week, of course, is the last Sunday of the month, so we got our potluck going. Um, you guys still enjoying the potlucks? Ah, yeah, man, what a fun time. We can all gather down there. Um, Plan to just stay for that. Bring something to share. Bring a main dish or a dessert. It's always nice to have bunches of food. Sometimes, I will admit, sometimes we're heavy on desserts, aren't we? It's like, we need like two tables for desserts. I'm not complaining at all. Um, Switch it up. If you usually bring a dessert, maybe bring a main dish and, and, and all that. But we're, we're always usually really great on food. Invite somebody. Last Sundays is not only for us to hang out and to eat and to hang out with each other that are here, but it's also a great time to invite people. Invite people to church. Invite people back to church and, and just tell them you'll, you'll buy them lunch afterwards. And it all works out really great. So that's next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, which is May 7th, we're going to be having a baby shower for Elijah Dane Copeland. What a great name that is, right? Elijah Dane Copeland. Alvin and Brittany's little boy. That will be Sunday, May 7th, following the service. We've got so many following the service kind of things. It's it's awesome. Let's see. And then on Saturday, May 13th, this is going to be good. Saturday, May 13th. Who is glad that winter's kind of over? Kind of. I say that kind of. Amy's actually on, on her way. Amy, Levi, and Zana, are, they're driving back to Kansas and uh, for a wedding. Um, so they'll be gone. But, but yesterday I wanted to check the weather. And it's just funny when you, when you live in Montana, things are different. Because as I'm looking, it's like the, the weather's somewhat similar. The lows are about the same, you know, high 20s, low 30s. 
But as I look at Helena, and then I look at Billings, and then I look at Sheridan and Casper, and, and there's no warnings. But as soon as I hit Nebraska, they start putting up a frost warning. And Kansas has a frost warning. It's just funny because we don't get a frost warning. We're just, we just know it's going to freeze, right? Kind of funny. But now that, now that winter's kind of on the way out, we have our highway cleanup that we do twice a year, once in the, the fall, once in the spring. And we've been wanting to do a church ground cleanup. Usually we do it before Easter. Didn't happen. Um, Sometimes we do it the week after Easter. Didn't happen. Too much snow. So we're going to just do all of that on the same day. So Saturday, May 13th at 8.30, we're going to meet here like we always do. We head down. We do our highway cleanup, which is just right down here on the highway. Um, it doesn't take very long, and the more the people, the quicker it is. So we're going to do that cleanup. We're going to come back here, and at 9.15, we're all going to hang out and have brunch together. Pretty good, right? And then um, after that, we're just going to do a, just a cleanup of the grounds. A lot of it is just putting things back to where they need to be, picking up garbage that's just been here under the snow and sweeping sidewalks and things like that. So we would ask you to join us for that. Talk to Doyle if you are interested in helping with the brunch side of things. So we'll have a couple different things going on, but um, I'm going to pick up trash on the highway and then I'm going to do the grounds here, but then I'm going to eat in between. But some people are like, hey, I'd rather help in the in the kitchen so give him a heads up so he can kind of know who wants to do what and it'll be great so that's saturday may 13th again if you don't want to do the highway portion but you just want to do some of the other portions um i think in the bulletin it breaks down better but just remember brunch is at 9:15. that's the most most important part and then coming up, we have Church 101. Oh, that's weird. That shouldn't be on there like that, but that's okay. Um, that'll be Sunday, May 21st, following service. If you're interested in becoming a member of Bridge Assembly or you just want to know what this church actually believes, um, make plans to come come to that. Um, we'll have lunch together, and then we're, we're going to try to get through everything in one shot. So that's why I passed out copies of, of who we are, what we believe, and all of that. Please, if you're signed up to come, review that beforehand so we don't have to go word for word through it because it's like 22 pages long. That's long, and we don't want to have to go through everything. You should have somewhat of a knowledge before you get here. Amen? Good stuff, right? How many of you guys coming to Church 101? There was a good sign up. Oh, we got people a little bit all over the place. Maybe. You got, we got like some, and then we got like some, and we got someone, no way, you know, and all that. It's okay. It's open to everyone. Um, if you didn't sign up, but you do want to come holler at me, I think there's one copy of our beliefs and everything on that table, but I can sure make some more. We're going to do a quick legislation update as this is the time of year that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in the legislature you got to move you got to come over here no because no one will see you because no or you could go there or you can come over here on facebook i mean it's on it was on can you hear me okay oh. 
All right, uh, we have a lot of legislation going on. I've got my own little cheat sheet here because it's a full page. Um, some of our bills are headed to the governor. Some of our bills are being amended. And we have two new ones that are already past committee that we are going to be sending to the governor with an attachment of all your signatures saying we oppose this, we support this. House Bill 234, the public display of obscenity materials, they took out the prohibiting of it in the schools, the libraries, and the museums, and gave the authority to the school boards. They've already had that. They do not want um, them taken out. They want the school boards to decide. And in committee, the chair could not even listen to the words of the freshman curriculum um, because it was so obscene. He couldn't even hear it, but they're not going to make that determination. Um, House Bill 359, uh, banned kids from drag shows. It's being eliminated. Um, library and museums, it's still okay. The way that they're doing it makes it still okay. Um, private homes, they can still have these. It's the public places that they're trying to prohibit. Senate Bill 99, the governor amended it to strengthen it, and um, it is for all of the um, um, minorities in this community are all upset about that because it's stronger language that the kids cannot be changed, altered, or given any medication to block puberty until they're 18. And he strengthened that to say this is not happening. Senate Bill 154, right to privacy for abortion. That's headed to the governor's office. He did not amend that. It's a lot of times women will say, I have the right to privacy with my abortion. And this bill says, no, you don't. The baby is its own person, and you can't do that. House Bill 721 is a dismemberment abortion. What happens is, is when they go in for the abortion, if the baby needs to be dismembered in the womb, they cannot do that except for the mother's life. There's no cause to kill a child in the womb. We are going to oppose that. The bill uh, petition is in the back to say, Governor, we oppose this. It's already gone past both houses and Senate. Everyone's saying we have to get so far, but we're saying no mother should choose death for their kid. It's basically what that means. And House Bill 575 is prohibit abortion of unviable children, and once again, they have the mother's life in there, so if the baby is past the point of viability, which is 24 weeks, if the mother's life is in danger, we kill the child. Thou shalt not kill. And so we are going to petition the governor to say, you need to oppose this because the mother's life, if in danger, you deliver the baby, and the mother's problems typically go away. So the two petitions are out there. If you have any questions, let me know after service. There's a lot to think about, a lot to do, and I tried to be quick. That's pretty quick. There's a lot, so I would encourage you guys to kind of seek that out um, on your own to kind of figure out what everything is saying. It's It can get tricky. It really can, and, and I hate to say this, but whenever politicians are involved, um, sometimes their desire for self-preservation um, usurps the idea of representation of the people, <laughs> right? So huh, imagine that. I think that started as soon as uh, as positions were were created and people started being elected. As far back as we can think, um, little self preservation things started up there. So so really, 
figure it out. We, we should be aware of these things. Christians should not be quiet. We have values. We have the best values that are, that are out there, and it's okay to, to allow our representatives to, to understand what our values are and, and to, to, to be vocal of that, because I'm telling you, the world is very vocal about theirs. Um, four ways to give. Like always, we got four ways. Um, you can give online, bridgehelena.com. Go to that. Check out our new website. It's been changed over. It's nice and fresh. It's simple. It's good looking. It's all those good things. Uh, text. You can text to give to 84321. Of course, you can use our giving boxes. There's giving envelopes back there if you want to designate in any way, shape, or form. And you can always mail it to 725 Granite Avenue. We know why we give, don't we? We've, we've been over that. We don't have to talk about that. But we're actually going to talk a little bit about that in the message, but not directly. But uh, let's pray and let's get, get started. Let's get rolling. Father God, once again, we are thankful to be in your house this morning. What a, what a beautiful time of year as, as really the the world around us, the, the earth around us is waking up, and the buds on the trees, the, there's shades of green. It reminds us of, of life. It reminds us of the resurrection where you conquered death. What a, what a great time of year. So we, we enjoy that, but we never put too much faith or too much time looking at the environment because we don't want to look at creation. We want to look at the creator. It's the creator. Man, there's everything to do with the creator. So Lord, today as we as we look to you, we look to your word, Lord God, help us to to understand it, to hear it, to process it, to apply it and then to really to really just begin to live that way, to live it out. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here, just like that worship song said. You are welcome here. Not only welcome but needed. You're desired to be here. So, Lord God, in our lives, Lord God, help us to open that up. For me this morning, Holy Spirit, help me to say the things that I need to say and shut my mouth with anything else. Lord God, open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds. And once again, I pray, like always, that nobody leaves here today the same way that they walked in. Lord God, we want to be changed. We want to be different. We want to be challenged. We even want to be convicted. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak to us, each one of us individually, the way that we need to be spoken to. Lord God, we welcome that. We welcome that. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, King Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. Hey, you guys want to do something fun real quick before we get into the message? Because, man, we got a lot of scripture in this message. So let's do something really fun before we get started. Who has their cell phone today? Anybody have their cell so Pull out your cell phone. Show it to me. Got it, got it, got Oh, look at all of us. We're so good with our cell phones. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Each one of you, look around this sanctuary. It's like... It must be like National Skip Church Day and nobody told us, but we got a lot of people gone today. So look around and you, you're seeing people that aren't here. Oh, well, so-and-so's not here. Oh, well, well, this person's not here. I want you to take your cell phone right now and I want you to go into your text messages right now. This is going to be great. This is going to be fun. Actually, silence your phone right now because I don't want a bunch of dings going off in the next 10 20 minutes. 
But look around, you're going to notice people that aren't there. Click on that, go down to where you type it in, and type something. Just tell, man, miss you in church today. Praying for you today. Do you need anything today? Is anything going on in today? Let's do that, and let's just see how many people get our text message. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's a way to connect with those that aren't here today. Amen? So let's do that real quick. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Watch your autocorrect, especially on this one, because you don't want to be sending the kind of messages I sometimes send, because I don't, I don't edit it. Uh, you guys doing it? Mm-hmm. Probably faster than me. Okay, okay, everybody hit send. There we go. How easy was that? How easy was that? Will that make a difference? Man, if I was missing church today and somebody sent me a text during church, I'd be like, man, I'm, miss, I'm missing out. What's going on? Um, a little convicting, maybe. Wondering why, why I'm getting... It, wouldn't it be funny if like one person got like 20 different messages? <laughs> ding, ding. That, would be, that would be great. Um, we'll let the Holy Spirit just facilitate that. How about that? All right, let's get, uh, let's get started on our message today. Um, here's the thing for today's message. I need to make something crystal clear. I want it to be crystal clear before we, we actually get into this message. I am not after your money today. This is not a money message. My desire today is that each one of us grow in our faith. And today is no different than any other day. I mean, that's, that's my desire for each one of you. So how the Holy Spirit chooses to speak to you today through this message, that is His prerogative. But I will say this, however the Holy Spirit chooses to speak to you, it is very much worth listening to. So I just wanted to be very clear with that. I wanted to be upfront with that so nobody leaves here offended or mixed up or misled and saying, oh, that church just wants my money. That's all they care about. That's a bunch of fooey because that's not what today is about. With that being said, some of the verses that we're going to look at today do deal with money. Of course they do, and that's okay. However, the principle of these examples, as we will see, boils down to a heart issue. That's the way we need to be looking at a lot of things within our lives. It boils down to a heart issue. And it's always a heart issue when it comes to God, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree? It's always a heart issue. The problem with humanity today is a heart issue. It's not a Jesus issue. By no means. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. Jesus established everything. That was done. It was finished upon the cross, upon the resurrection. Death was conquered. Jesus has provided everything. He has done everything. So why are we not living in a utopia? Because of man's free will and his heart issue. Man's heart issue tends to fall away from God unless very diligent and, and diligent to seek God. See, Jesus cares about our hearts. It's that simple. And this is where we can begin to struggle. 
is because he cares about our hearts so much, yet we have a rebellion in our spirit caused by the fall of man and the sin in this world. So we got to reevaluate that. We got to really focus upon that. Look at Proverbs 4.23 real quick. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. That means be diligent about it. Watch it. Keep aware of it. Always keep track of where your heart is. See, we are to guard our hearts because life, God's life, the life he desires for each one of us, it flows from our hearts. So for this morning, please allow this message to speak to your heart and desire the flow of life that the Holy Spirit has for each one of you. Allow yourself to be challenged today. Allow yourself to be convicted if conviction comes. And understand this. Understand that, that, that conviction is a wonderful expression of God's love toward you. So if you're listening to this message and you're starting to feel a little antsy and maybe maybe you feel your little pulse start to go a little faster and maybe your stomach starts doing a few cartwheels and your your your, your mind is trying to distract you and and get you to think about lunch or or this coming week that a lot of times that's holy spirit conviction. Don't run from that run to that we should always run toward conviction because it is through his conviction that revelation and freedom comes. So let's jump into some scripture and, and let's just see where it takes us today. Today we're going to be looking at David, King David, the man after God's own heart. We know who he is. We know him from David and Goliath. We know all the different stories, but we're going to look at an account that really challenges, and then showcases David's character. But first, I want to take a quick look at a passage in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18.14, it says this, You shall also give to him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, the first of the season, and your olive oil, and the first sheared fleece of your sheep. There's this principle that we find in Scripture that has to do with first fruits first fruits and really this principle of first fruits it's it's pretty darn simple it's pretty darn simple here's how you need to understand first fruits we are to give god our first and our best that's it that's the principle of first fruits not because he needs it Understand, we don't, we don't give God our first fruits. We don't give him our first and our best because he needs it. But because in his infinite wisdom, he knows that we need to give it, right? It's not that he needs it. He needs us to understand that we need to give it to him. It takes, it takes humility. It takes surrender. It takes dependence. It takes trust and it takes love to give God our first and to give God our best. See, this is much more than just going through the, the motions of religion that, that so many people can get caught up in and, and really bogged down by. It's having a heart's desire, a true heart's desire to give God our best. 
out of the, the love and, and the obedience that we feel for Him, not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, and not out of substitution. You guys know what I mean by, by obligation, right? When I say not out of obligation, that obligation would be the, well, I guess if I have to, I will. Well, I guess if, if I have to go to church, I will. Oh, I guess if I have to volunteer for this, I guess if I have to, I will. That's, that's obligation. It's also not out of compulsion. See, see compulsion is as well, I, I guess I'll do it if I'm being forced to being forced as in peer pressure, wife pressure, church pressure. It's like, oh gosh, I don't really want to, but I guess if you're forcing me to do it, I'll, I'll have to do it. Now, how about substitution? What, what would that mean? Substitution would be like, well, if someone else is going to do it, I guess I don't have to, right? Something needs to get done and, and you kind of rope somebody else into doing it, then you don't have to do it. But I would ask this, where is our heart in these things toward God? Obligation, compulsion, substitution. Where is our heart? Let's look at David. A great story. Great, great account. Turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. I'll give you a second there to find 2 Samuel. And we're going to look at verse 24. Basically, we're going to look at the entire, um, the entire chapter of, of, of 24. Let's look at it. We'll start out with the first couple of verses. 2 Samuel 24, 1 and 2. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he in, incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and number the people that I may know the number of the people. See, at this time, the, the kingdoms were united and everything was seemingly going good in both Israel and Judah, especially from a human standpoint. See, they had grown very powerful. They had, they had grown in wealth. They had, they had grown in numbers. And David started to focus on this through his arrogance and his, his pride and his boasting to the point that David began to shift the glory from God onto himself. So God comes in and says, I got I to gotta right the ship here. I got I to gotta do something here. So God allowed Satan to tempt David with pride. How many of you guys know that that Satan is very good at tempting us with pride. Oh boy, he's a mess. He's probably the best one out of any, any creation ever created. It's, it's Satan himself. It's the devil who can tempt us with that pride. And, and have you guys ever been there? I bet you have. Everything in life seems to be going good right? It's like, man, I see all these people, they're in need, or they're stuck in sin, or, or they're just, their life's a mess. But look at my life, man. My life is, is good. People come up to you and say, hey, how can I pray for you? And you're like, man, my life's pretty good. I don't know. I think everything's so good. So in your humanistic wisdom, you decide to pump up your ego, 
and you decide to start taking credit for how good your life is actually going. I mean, you guys have been there. I got stories. I'm not going to lie. I got some great stories at times that I've done this. And I also got great lessons that came out of it when I did this. And they weren't very fun at the time. But deciding to step away from, from God and, and do your own thing, because after all, look at what you have accomplished. That's something that we need to guard against because it's not a very good idea. Let's keep going in our passage. Let's look at verse 3. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as there are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? See, those that were closest to David saw what was going on, and, and Joab actually lifts up his voice. He goes to the king and he, he tries to divert David from doing something that David shouldn't be doing. I think this right here illustrates the importance of having people like Joab in our life. Do you have somebody like that in your life that can come to you and say, whoa, back up, what's going on here? May the Lord bless you in all these things, but, but what you're thinking right now, pull back from that. I think you need to, to reevaluate what's going on. Joab, Joab was a great guy. He, he, he stood up here and he, he stepped in there and he, he tried to help his king, but also his friend. Look at verse 4, 4 through 9. But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began, began from Aor and from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad and on to Jazir. Then they came to Gilead and to Kadesh in the land of the Hittites, and they came to Dan. And from Dan they went around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and Canaanites. And they went out to the Negev and Judah and Beersheba at Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king. In Israel there were 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000. There were a lot of people under David's command, right? So David, man, he's, he's, he's tempted by Satan and he falls into that trap and he doesn't listen to Joab or, or his commanders and he goes ahead and does this anyway. And, and after months and months of going through the land, counting up, and, and really this is just an account of the fighting men, right? This isn't an account of those men who can't fight, the kids, the women, and all that. There's a lot of people under David's command. And that this word should have come back to David, and he should have been like, look at me. Look at my kingdom. It's, it's amazing. So really, despite that advice, David went ahead with his plans, right? These were David's plans, and he ordered that census to be taken in all the land. Instead of trusting God, David wanted numbers so his ego could be gained. He wanted to be able to boast, 
about what he had accomplished. But now, now comes verse 10. And verse 10 is really a huge one for us. Under, underline verse, verse 10. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. See, this is a great example right here of Holy Spirit conviction. And I hope each one of us can relate. Have you ever noticed that stubbornness or pride will often cause us to turn a blind eye to sin in our lives? It will cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do, but we, we're tempted and we fall into that temptation. But, but right afterward, the Holy Spirit will open our eyes and allow us to see what we could not. That's, that's conviction. That's beautiful Holy Spirit conviction. See, David fell into temptation to do something he shouldn't have, despite those around him pleading with him not to act upon that temptation. David gave in. But when David got what he wanted, he found out it wasn't at all what he really wanted. David's eyes were suddenly opened and he was struck. He was struck in the heart. And we've all been there. At some time or another, we've all been there. And we're all going to be there again, I would, I would wager. How we react is what matters. See, David went before the Lord with a humble and a repentant heart. See, that's what I really admire about David. Was he a great leader? Absolutely. Did he come up in a, in, a, in a great story of how he was actually anointed and picked? Absolutely. He did a lot of great things. Did he unite kingdoms and, and all this? Man, David did a lot of good things. But what I really admire about David, it's not that he's perfect. It's that when he does mess things up, he goes straight to God in humble submission. Amen to that. We should all be shouting out amen to that. Now, here is where things start to get interesting. Look at verse 11. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, go and say to David, thus says the Lord, three things I offer you. Choose one of them that I may do it to you. So God so Gad came to David and told him and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Interesting right there, isn't that? Isn't that wild right there? We like to stop at the, at the prior part where it's like, oh, David saw his errors and, and he repented and it was absolutely wonderful. We like to stop right there and then we move on and, and we go talk about something else that's happy and exciting and everything, but we can't skip over this portion of Scripture. See, conviction came. Conviction came to David, and, and with that, confession followed. That's the process we have to understand. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, we need to confess. Is it 
Do we need to confess sin? Maybe. Do we need to confess that we were afraid? Maybe. Do we just need to confess that Jesus is Lord and that I want to live my life for Him? Maybe. It depends on the conviction. But for David, conviction came with that confession followed. But now comes consequences. Consequences. See, when we sin and conviction and confession follow, how many of you guys know that there are still consequences to our actions? See, this is probably not what you wanted to hear this morning. <laughs> All right? There goes Pastor Jason again trying to grow the church by talking about this kind of stuff, but I'm not going to lie to you. Conviction leads to confession, but there can also be consequences to deal with. Let's look at verse 14. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. I, I would imagine so. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. See, sometimes consequences are relatively light. At other times, our consequences are relatively heavy. Not a good place to be. Not a good place to be for David, is it? Gosh, could you imagine being in his position? He knew he screwed up. He went to the Lord. He, he confessed it. But the consequence was almost more than he could bear. But, but, but it is here that we begin to see David's true character. Look at verse 16 and 17. And, and when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, it is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arayuna, the Jebusite, and David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly, but the sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. David speaks up. And he asks that, that the punishment, God, God, let that punishment be upon myself. He wants the punishment on himself and not the people that are under his rule. He, he, he uses the terminology, the sheep, right? He sees them he has, as sheep. He's the shepherd. And, and he sees the sheep being punished for the shepherd's mistake. How easy, though, how easy is it to allow others to take our punishment for us? We, we can sometimes do that a lot. I, I would say this, kids are great at it. Don't you think kids are great at it? They do something, and another kid gets pointed out for doing what they did, and they, you know, they don't speak up. They're like, whew, whew. Got away with that one. And while this kid's over here getting punished, getting spanked, getting taking his iPad away or whatever, and then one kid's like, ooh, got away from that. See, see, David was in this position where he could have just kicked back and been like, you know what? 
I did wrong. This is your punishment. Yeah, you killed 70,000. Now you're going to take Jerusalem. Probably going to kill a little more. That's just, that's just your prerogative. God. But, but David didn't do that. He had a character to him. David stood up because David didn't want any of it. Look at verse 18. And Gad came the next day to David and said to him, Go up, rise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ariuna, the Jebusite. So David went up to Gad's, went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Ariuna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Ariuna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. Now David knows what he needs to do to make things right. He needs he, what he needs to do to obey God. And, and now that's David's focus, right? Nothing else is, is coming in. Man, people were coming with messages and needs and, and all this. And David said, none of that right now. God has told me to do something and I need to do it. That has to be my singular focus. I screwed up. I know that. There's consequences. I understand that. But I pleaded with God that the consequences come upon me, not on my people. So that is his complete and total focus. I wonder how many of us, when we screw up and conviction comes, and even con confession comes, and then the consequences come, and, and, and God, through the Holy Spirit, reveals to us what we need to be doing, how often is that our main focus? How often do we have a desire to get right with God and nothing else matters? On the other hand, how often do we say, oh, I'll get to that later. I can do that tonight. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that Sunday morning. And when God speaks to you, when God's, God's correcting you, when God's confirming, convicting, whatever it is, when He gives you something to do, that needs to be our singular focus, just like David had here. Now we also see the response of, of Ariuna to David. And it's actually one out of respect, right? Because because it's the king and, 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 and his court, it's all coming. He's coming to my land. The king is coming and I need to show respect because he is my king. Now listen to this because it all, it all comes down to this, this right here. Look at verse 21. And Ariuna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. And Ariuna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here, look, right here, I have the oxen for the burnt offering and, and the threshing sledge and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. You can build a fire with, with this stuff. And all of this, O King Ariuna, gives to the king. And Ariuna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. See, you've got to love Ariuna because he's a faithful friend and he wants to help David, his, his king, in every way that he can. And, and remember, David knows exactly what he needs to do. And here is Ariuna providing everything that he needs. But we have to keep going to get the main point here. Verse 24, But the king said to Ariuna, No! No! 
but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. So we have Ariuna, the landowner. And he wants to honor his king. He wants to do what, what he thinks is right. He wants to do everything that he can to help the king, to help the people, to cleanse the land of the plague. See, for Ariuna, this is a noble and a very respectable action. But inadvertently, couldn't this have been another boost for David's pride? Couldn't this have been a great opportunity for David to save some cash for himself? But David knew God. And he had a true relationship with God. And David knew, without a doubt in his heart, who really deserved the honor, the praise, and the offering. See, here's the thing. If David was uncertain about who God was, he wouldn't have spoken out here. He wouldn't have come back and said, oh, absolutely not. There is no way this is happening. I appreciate what you're doing, but I can't have it. He would not have felt the importance of giving God his offering, giving God his best. See, David could have taken the gift from Ariunan and passed it on to God as his own offering, but that wouldn't really have been David's offering, would it? Because it would have cost him nothing. It would have been an offering that cost him nothing. And, and David knew the principle, and, and he had the understanding that he needs an offering that costs him something. wonder if there's a lesson in there for us. It was because of David's relationship with his Lord that caused him to do what was right, not try to get out of anything. Even in this troubling time, what a, what a tumultuous, troubling time, David. In the last few days, David's gone through all these different emotions. Oh, wow, look at my kingdom. Look how big it is. Oh, struck with conviction. He couldn't do anything but get before God and confess. And as he did that, consequences come. And, and now, now people, his sheep, his people are actually dying because of the mistake he made. His emotions would have been all over the place. But even in this troubling time, David put his trust in God and honored him. So how about you? How about you? Of course it's going to come back to us, isn't it? It's these darn Bible stories. We read them, but we can't just read them. Because the Holy Spirit does something, and then they come back on each one of us. That's a great thing. In terms of offering, and that can be your time. That can be your talents. A lot of you guys are blessed with these amazing talents. It can be your sacrifices. It, it can absolutely be your finances. It can be any of those things. Do you view those things as to how much they actually cost you? 
And God asks you to do something. And you're like, well, gosh, I guess, God, if you're asking, I'm going to totally do it. That was kind of exciting. I, I actually heard from God, and he asked me to do something. Do we ever wonder what that's going to actually cost us? Because sometimes it's important to understand what it's going to cost us. Because it's a heart condition, right? We want to make sure we're giving God our first and our best. See, if there is little or no cost to you, then maybe it's out of your abundance or out of somebody else's cost. If something, if it's something I don't really want or need, is that really a worthy, worthy offering to you? I don't want to offend anybody today. It's just, I find it humorous. It's, forgive me for my sense of humor, but it's the reason we have 27 crockpots that barely work downstairs in the kitchen. It's like, oh, I got a new crockpot. I'll give the one that I can't use because it doesn't work good enough for me. I'll donate that to the church. Oh, that's a big cost to you. No, that's giving God your first and your, your best. How about we just throw that crockpot out? right? Let's just take it to the trash. It saves a step because a lot of those kind of things that you donate to the church, if they don't work or they're so old and out of date that they're of no use to us, we sneak it to the little bin in the back and every Tuesday it goes somewhere else. We don't need your broken stuff, right? And, and it's, it's the same principle, isn't it? David was like, man, this doesn't belong to me. This isn't my stuff. How can I offer my stuff? These aren't my oxen. How can I offer God something that's not mine? These, this isn't my, my, my yokes and, and, and all of that. This isn't my threshing floor. I am not going to allow that to happen. So David says, i got to buy it from you. I'm going to pay you for it. I'm going to pay you more than it's worth. And then I'm going to take it now that it's mine. It's mine. It's my stuff. And now I am going to present it to the Lord. See, we have this attitude sometimes. Well, I was going to throw it away or I was going to waste that time or I didn't really even need it. It was out of my total abundance. So here you go, God. Here you go, God. Oh, I got, I got 20 extra dollars in my pocket. Didn't know. I found it on the way into church. Found it laying around. I guess I'll put that in the offering. God, you'll be pleased with me with my offering, won't you, Lord? Depends on where your heart is. Depends on your heart condition. Same with our talents, our times, our sacrifices, all of those things. You know, sometimes I can even offer somebody else's goods or somebody else's services. We do that great as parents, right? Oh, the, the church needs help doing this? Oh, yeah, my sons will come over and do that. Oh, that's really a great offering out of, out of your sacrifice and time, isn't it? No, but your kids are starting to think, well, I don't think I like going to church because every time I go, I, I get voluntold to do something. So we've got to be careful there as well. See, in those times, in those situations, should I be taking credit for that? Should I be boasting about all that I'm giving when actually I'm not really giving anything that's my own? Especially it's not my first and my best. David didn't think so. David didn't think so at all. So here's the deal. Anyone who has a relationship 
that costs nothing has a relationship that is worth nothing. Got quiet in here, didn't it? That includes my relationship with Jesus. Let's take a look real quick at the very first offering. Very first offering of, of really of, of all time. We find it in Genesis 4, 3 through 5. It says this, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So what's the issue here? What was the issue? Because didn't they both bring and present an offering to God? They did. We read it. They both brought an offering to God. It's a heart issue. Abel's heart was fully toward God, and he gave God his best. Cain's heart was greedy, and he held back a portion of his offering for himself. He didn't give God his best. See, in Cain's mind and his rationale, what he gave God was enough. But for Abel, what he gave could never be enough. Abel thought, man, I'm giving you my first, I'm giving you my best, and it's still not enough for you, God. God, I love you so much. Yet Cain's saying, yeah, it'll do. It'll get me through. It'll get me by. How many of you guys know that living a faith that has fire insurance and just getting by, that's not God's intention for your life. God's intention is the best for you. And part of the best for you is honoring him and giving our best to him. Heart issue. It's always a heart issue. Let's look at one last example. This one's found in Luke 21. 1 through 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put, two, put in two small copper coins, and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Who has more faith in God? Who has a more of a desire to allow God to provide for them, the, the, the rich people or this poor widow lady? See, it's easy to feel good about ourselves when we give out of our abundance. But giving to God isn't for us to feel good about ourselves. Giving to God is for us to humbly honor God with what we have. This widow shared a heart with both David and Abel. The cost of her offering cost her something. But that didn't come close to the cost that our loving God gave for us. The cost of Jesus, cost of his life at the cross, right? Father said, I will pay the ultimate price. I am going to give you my first and my best. 
in order that our relationship may be um, rejoined, right? So by, by God's lead, God always gives us his first and his best. Gosh, if we could just grasp that, how much God has for us. But no, it's not the way I wanted it, and it's not the way I thought it should look. So God's just punishing me. No, God is giving you his first, and God is giving you his best. And it's such, such a beautiful thing. So the cost of our sacrifice the cost of our submission, the cost of our humility can never come close to the love that God had for each one of us. Today, all I'm asking is that you consider the cost. Worship team, if you want to sneak on up here. Will you this morning begin to evaluate and consider the cost of your offering, the cost of your sacrifice. Reflect that with the cost Jesus paid for each one of you. It's humbling, isn't it? It's overwhelming. What is the cost you associate with, with giving him your offerings? Is it your first and is it your best? Don't get all restless on me, guys. I know some of you probably want to get out of here as soon as possible. But we got a thing called response time here. We're going to give you an opportunity to come to this altar and just get before God. Evaluate those questions, man. If you're feeling conviction, like I said, don't run from the conviction. Run to that conviction. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place where you meet God and, and things start to happen. And, and may he, he may present some consequences. He might do that. He might. He might not. But the consequences are all within his ability to improve your faith in your life. He does those things so he can manifest and show himself to you in a, in a more powerful and a more real way. So think about your offering. Think about it in terms of your time. Your time. How much time are you willing to give God? Will it cost you absolutely as it should? And maybe it's not just the time on the tail end, but it's the time on the front end. It's the first, it's the best time. It's the best time of your day. You're going you're gonna to dedicate, you're going to offer that to God. What about your talents? How many of you guys in here are using your talents to further the kingdom of God? I mean, you guys in here are using your talents to honor God. Not those kind of talents, not those sometime talents, but your best, your best. And when you come here and you, you donate those talents, man, it doesn't matter how good you do things outside of your faith, but when it comes to your faith, you're going to do them 10 times as good. You're going to take longer. You're going to make sure everything is right because you want to offer God your first and your best when it comes to your talents, as well as your tools, those things that God has, has allowed you to learn, the ability that he has given to you. Are you offering that to God? Is it costing you something? Are you counting that cost? Are you understanding like David understood? It has to be an offering that cost me something. And then, of course, your sacrifice. How does that look? How does that look? Next week, we're going to talk about a fault in our faith. And I hope you guys will come for that one. 
is we're going to kind of piggyback off of this. We're going to we're going to talk about what has happened to the American church and why we have messages like we have today. This should be second nature to us. I want to give God everything I have. I want to humble myself to Him. I want to give Him my best. I want to give Him my first. But then things come into our lives and we get all mixed up in that. See, all of this we have to take into account. We've got to rationalize it. It's all important because it reflects our heart issue. So if you guys would pull the lights down starting to understand now why our numbers are down this morning right whenever we have a message that that maybe can hit home it's really easy for the the enemy to come in and try to scatter people oh just skip church today it's not that big a deal you don't need to be in church today i'm telling you what you need to be in church every sunday that you are able if you're out of town and if you are ill that's a different story but for any other reason I'm hard-pressed to understand why that is more important in our time and in our offering. But as you are here today, you now have an opportunity just to come forward and to get before God and just lay it down to Him. Maybe, maybe you're in a good place. Maybe you are in a good place. It's a good time to come to the altar and say, God, I'm in a good place, but I want to continue to give you the glory because I just saw David succumb to that and fall. You're in a good place. Praise God. But if you're in a good place, praise God. Maybe you're not in a good place. Maybe you're in a place of conviction or, or confusion or a challenging time, a time of trials and tribulations. Man, it's time to get before God and just lay it down before Him and ask for His help and say, God, I'm offering myself to You. In humble submission, I'm offering my agenda. I'm offering my, my thoughts, my wisdom, my desires, and I'm placing them before you because I want what's good for me. And what's good for me is what you have for me. Some, some of you guys in here just need to, to break out of, of, of your human desire and lay it down before God and pick up His desire. We're going to sing the song, I Surrender. It's such an appropriate song for us this morning. If you are willing to surrender this morning, let's get before God. Let's all get before God and let's surrender together. And I will guarantee you this, that the Holy Spirit will meet you wherever you are at and you will not walk out of this place the same way that you walked in. Everybody stand up. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going we're gonna to get to the altar. We're going to get before God. We're going to repent if we need to repent. We're going to rejoice. We're going to lay it down before Him. Father, what a loving God You are. Your ways aren't our ways. So sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes Your ways look very differently than our ways and how we think things should, should work out. But Lord, we trust in your wisdom and we trust in your ways. So this morning, as we come before you and we lay ourselves down, we humbly lay ourselves down to you, Lord God. We have an expectancy that you will meet us in a whole new way. And whatever comes out of this, Lord, we know by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will give us the ability 
to walk through whatever consequence we may face, whatever crisis we may face, whatever chaos we may face, Lord, you will give us the ability to do so. And not only that, you will be by our side, guiding us and leading us every step of the way. Jesus, your blood broke the power of sin and the evil one in each one of our lives. Help us to start acting like that and to start seeking you in a whole new way. Holy Spirit, again, have your way. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone shout it out. Amen. Amen. What a, what a beautiful time and a powerful time. God's touching lives. God's touching lives in here. And, and, and we need to allow that. It's He's, he's calling us back to Him, right? He is. He's calling us into a, a deeper relationship with, with Him. If, if, we were, if we were to do a, a baptismal service here in this building, how many, how many of you guys would be interested in being baptized or rebaptized as a symbol that you're going deeper with God? You don't have to raise hands. I would just like for you to tell me that. We can, we can organize that. We can, we can take a Sunday and, and, and do baptisms here because waiting in Spring Meadow is going to be way too long. We can make it happen here. I, I believe there's people in here that are desiring that. It's such a great symbolism as to what God is doing with us. So, so let me know. I, I know messages like this can be hard. They can be rough. But I also know they're incredibly necessary. They're incredibly necessary because your pastor needs to hear himself preach, right? Your pastor needs to, to take it in. And I think you do as well. So again, don't run from it. Run to it. God is up to something. He is up to something great. Again, if there's people missing today that you noticed, stay on them. Tell them how much you love them. How can you pray for them? Invite them back. We're going to end with one last worship song. And we're going to get excited about what God is doing. We're going to continue to proclaim His name, to believe in His healing touch, and to serve Him fully with our hearts. Amen. All right, let's worship. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.